Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you subscribe to the Outkick channel. If you have an Amazon device, simply ask Alexa, search Outkick on YouTube. It'll pop up. You're able to watch us live every day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. And the second hour of each show, the Tennessee Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us and glad to be on Fox Sports Knoxville Fan Run Radio. Yeah, so the Tennessee Power Hour is, uh, this is the concept. We hosted a show for almost a decade in Nashville. Uh, we still have many listeners, viewers, followers in the state of Tennessee. So every day we are going to devote an hour to Tennessee sports. Titans, Vols, Vandy, Preds, whatever the main story is, we're going to talk about it during this Tennessee Power Hour. The other thing we need right now interaction on Twitter. We will have phones at some point on this show. We don't right now. So we need all of our interaction to come on social media. Paul Kuharski is watching the YouTube uh, chat and monitoring that for us. It's on Twitter, though, at Outkick360. Uh, hit us up there. Let us know what you want to talk about. Questions, comments. If you want to talk about the glare on Paul Kuharski's head, if you're watching. <laughs> I got makeup. Literally anything you want to discuss, we can do that uh, at Twitter, at Outkick360. Paul, you said that the, the YouTube chat not going great right now? Well, uh, I'm not into political conversation. Yep. And uh, they are. So I, I'll let them do what they uh, are insistent upon doing. But I am not You're backing to, away. I, I'm you're not officially gonna, backing I'm, away. I'm not going to participate if that's uh, your cup of tea. we got a lot of good things to discuss here. So I will be fully uh, engaged here and not so fully engaged there. Big thanks to uh, everyone that's tuned in. If you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, which we're sharing again, uh, through our feed. If you're able to uh, share that feed for us, retweet the feed, we'd certainly appreciate that. Kim English is now the head coach at George Mason. That's right. Two seasons as an assistant at Tennessee under Rick Barnes, and um, he is now headed to be a head coach for the first time at George Mason. Kim English, great player at Missouri under, under Frank Haith, uh, got them to the, an Elite Eight, in fact, while playing and uh, did a terrific job at Tennessee, has done a great job, played in the NBA for the Pistons for a number of years, and now he's going to get a head coaching chance at George Mason. Good news for the Rick Barnes coaching tree, now with Rob Lanier also leaving Tennessee a couple years ago to head to Georgia State. Kim English actually came in to replace Rob Lanier, so now he's getting a head coaching opportunity also. Bad news for Tennessee basketball because Kim English was a great coach. He was the lead recruiter for Kennedy Chandler, who's coming in next year, the nation's number one point guard. Really good recruiter, good coach. I think that Kim English is a guy that is going to get some opportunities even bigger than George Mason uh, after a few years there. So he's a, a hot coaching commodity to watch in the future. So good news for the Rick Barnes coaching tree. Bad news for Tennessee for basketball. Tennessee, yeah. Quick aside, yes. if I may. We discussed this off the air. And I'm sure Kim English is a fantastic man. 
Dana Ford, who used to coach in town, a fantastic man. I really struggled with uh, Dana's and Kim's and Tracy's uh, and other ones. I, I, it's nothing against these men. It's something against these men's parents. Yes. You don't like uh, like Stacy King, formerly of the UNLV running Rebs, who I mentioned earlier. Names like this. I mean, there there there's such a palette of names to choose from, and to provide the rest of us with confusion if we don't happen to know your son. Um, I, I don't know. These are not choices that I, I personally would make, and I tend to critique other people's choices. And this is a choice that I feel comfortable critiquing. I, I, maybe it's a family name thing, in which case if, you know, you had Grandpa Kim um, and, and you're naming your son after Grandpa Kim, I, I, I'll, I'll allow it. But um, I would urge those of you out there who have uh, you know, pregnancies in the family <laughs> to uh, strike these names from consideration. If, if, you say if the balloon pops blue, strike these names. Kim, though, is on a different level as opposed to Dana. I hear yeah, Dana. Dana's I a two-way name. I think Dana least. Carvey. I think Dana Altman. There's some Danas out there. It's that more of a two-way name. That's, that's male-dominated name. Stacy is not a two-way name to me. Stacey, Kim is definitely not a two-way name. You? I, I mean, I think female and I think Kim. I mean, I hear George Mason uh, hired Kim English, and if I didn't know who Kim English was, I'm thinking, what well, how progressive it is. He yeah. hired the first woman to lead a Division One men's program. It's Kim English Jr. All right, so it's a, it's staying in the family at least. But just a, an aside, I felt well, hell of a coach. <laughs> yeah, you got to also think he's overcome a lot, right? With a name like Kim to reach this level of his coaching career, I'm is, sure is once, quite the, quite the once he's in your your world, you know everything changes. But when he's not in your world. He's Kim. Do you think that people can go up to him and call him Kim, and he says, no, please, it's Coach English. <laughs> he has to correct them immediately. Don't call me by my first See, I name. I think once you meet him, all of this is moot. Right. It's pre-meeting. And he's only, what, 31? Mm-hmm. Young guy. Young Kim. Young Kim. <laughs> hey, um, only 25 years old, Adore Jackson just signed a massive contract with the New York Giants. Sixteen million in year one, twenty-seven million over two years. Uh, strong deal Big for thanks. the New York Giants, who did not want him to go to Philadelphia last night, and he did not. Big thanks to Logan Ryan uh, from him, I'm sure, who uh, probably helped sell the Giants on him. Certainly helped sell him on the Giants. There's a report that Logan, I think, came here to uh, to to help convince Adoree to go visit them. Um, you know, I don't know that the Eagles they have had a tremendous amount of money. Um, so you're, you're bidding to keep him from going to see the Eagles, but you're not bidding against an Eagles contract. This is an outrageous contract to me. Outrageous. He wasn't worth $10 million here in Nashville. To pay him 16 guaranteed in year one there is just exorbitant. He's got some skills for sure. But if you're looking, uh, I mean, uh, Kyle Fuller just got one year $9 million in Denver. If you're giving me a choice between Kyle Fuller or Dory Jackson right now, I and Kyle Fuller's coming off a down year, not as much of a miss as Dory Jackson who was hurt but then didn't do anything when he came back for two and a half regular season games and a playoff game. But Kyle Fuller at $9 million or Dory Jackson at 16 first year 
and 26.5 guaranteed. My God, Denver's got to be feeling good about what it was able to do. I think this is one of the more outrageous contracts I've seen. And I'll say this. I think you're completely skipping by 2020 if you're uh, the Giants and going back to 2019. And I know that he did some good things in 2019. Well, you're going back to when he was healthy. But I'm not I'm not a pro football-focused guy, you know, generally We didn't speaking. object to them picking up the fifth-year option when they did it? No, but that was before we knew the cap was coming down. And, it was a $10 million hit. We knew but that. But listen, I, I also thought he was an inconsistent player who needed to get better, who I expected to get better in 2020. This is pro football focuses coverage grades. Now, I don't use them as an end-all or be-all, but the guy's too inconsistent. Orange and yellow are bad. Green is good. And he's got nearly – he's got six greens and seven orange or yellows. That's like almost 50-50. He had some very good games. And then there was a game where after which in, in Indianapolis, he was talking about T.Y. Hilton shredding him. If I'm paying $16 million to a corner guaranteed, I want to be pretty confident he's going to be shutting people down. And I've never felt pretty confident that week to week, Adoy Jackson's going to shut people down. I've felt like on a good day, Adoy Jackson's going to be good, but he might have a bad day. Now, if he had stayed on course and he had done that this year, I'd feel pretty good about $10 million for a fifth-year option. The Dory played his best football right as now. the Titans made their AFC championship run. He, he played very well at the end of that season. He did not play well consistently through that Also, season. here's my big takeaway. Is this not a failure to trade him? Well, here's the thing. If you're not, if you yeah. if you don't want to pay him $10 million and another team's willing to pay him 16 you can't trade him for something? But the cap number will be much smaller is the thing. Did you have did you make the decision early enough to have time to trade him to let somebody negotiate his deal down? Nobody's gonna trade for the ten million dollar cap number. Um, they just they just gave him sixteen guaranteed though. Yeah, but the cap number the guarantee is is a partly a bonus that's gonna be spread out. I bet you his cap number's four or five. Okay. So it, it you, you had to release him, though, is what you're saying, because there's no team that's going to... Like, trade for the 10 cap number, unless unless you're trading for him far enough in advance that it comes with the renegotiation. But if you're doing that, you're saying to yourself, they're going to wind up releasing him because there's no way they're keeping him beyond the 17th because they they have to then have that $10 million on their books for the cap, which is going to prevent them from being able to sign a Dupree or an Autry or whatever. Um so it, it, the, 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 the guarantee of that number on that date forced the Titans' hand. Just an opportunity missed, I think, if, if you're willing to part ways with him after the season. A part of it, too, I'm sure, were the medicals during the year. Yeah. Right? Because he, he had to be healthy because the fifth year was guaranteed for, for, for medical reasons, right? Yeah. If he, he's unhealthy. He was fine health-wise in order for them to be able to release him. Also, I mean, I, I'm, so I'm sure he's passing a physical with the Giants, right? But if that, oh, knee, sure. if that knee acts up a little bit in training camp now, you know, is he going to fight through for the Giants in a way that he seemed reluctant to fight through for the Titans? We talked about this yesterday. Um, when you needed him back a little earlier and the Titans clearly thought he was he could have gone back a little earlier and he didn't, um, you know, does that change now with the Giants investing in him in this big way? And also, I don't know where you're coming down. He's a happy-go-easy guy. I used to use that phrase, happy-go-easy. 
Um, New York treatment, a whole different deal when he has one of those I think bad they can benefit games. him, though. I think Maybe. because he doesn't get too worked up and he's so even keel and, and happy-go-lucky, he's not going to get yeah, I think, And he's got Logan I worry more him. about the guy who's overly anxious or gets yeah. overly worked up or offended too quickly in that New York market. And he's got as Logan. As opposed to a guy like Adoree Jackson. He's got Logan to help guide him through some of that stuff, which I think will be good for him. But it's always interesting when you see a guy go from a market like this to a market like that. On the other side, I was talking he to somebody yesterday. He played in LA college. He's that fine. Said, that said um, – you know, Car- Carson, well, USC. He played at USC. He's, he's going to be fine in New York. It's not the same. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson, Carson, we debate New York versus L.A. Carson yeah. Wentz going the same way. Well, USC isn't. Uh, USC keep, doesn't get the coverage get that bashed. an NFL team. Co- yeah. Yes, I know what you're saying. Also, Carson Wentz about to go through the other thing, right? Carson Wentz going from Philadelphia, where his every move got bashed, to Indianapolis, where the, the, he's not going to get nearly that difficult to treatment. So those are two guys I'd be interested in watching in comparison to each other. Dory Jackson going from uh, softer to harder, and Carson Wentz going from hardest to softer in terms of media. Those are I, have, be I have a feeling the corners here in Tennessee are going to be scrutinized fairly heavily now that they lose Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. Well, I agree, but the volume... They're going to face some heat. Just the, uh, agree, but the vo- just the volume and the constancy and the amplitude is never... The same. Uh, now we're getting some good interaction on Twitter. You can hit us up at hey, Outkick360. UW asking the important questions. Paul, how do you feel about Kelly or Ashley as a man's name? And Ricky also reminds us gender neutral is the proper term for yes. these names. Ashley, I feel uh, <laughs> pretty bad about, though. I knew a good Ashley uh, post college, Ashley guy. A guy's name, Ashley Guy? I knew an Ashley Guy. Did he give himself the last name to distinguish himself as a guy? I have no idea. That seems way too convenient to me. I went to high school with a guy named uh, Ashley. Really? Kelly. What's high school? Very cool, dude. I I was jealous of his name. I would rate Kelly as closer closer to Stacy and Kim. Okay. Uh, Maybe I'll make a board. What do you think? Let's have a definitive ranking. Definitive ranking? Least um, favorite to you're okay with it. Dana's got to be closer on the you're okay with it. Of gender-neutral yeah. names, Dana's okay. I don't know. There are plenty, I, I think I, a lot of it goes to who you know also, right? I yeah. know several female Danas, uh, and I can only think of one male Dana, Dana Ford. Dana White. I mean, Chad just went through Dana all Dana that. Altman, Dana Carvey. Yeah. I don't know There's them. plenty. You know, I'm talking lifting. about my personal interaction. Though I think personal interaction has more c- carries more sway than knowing famous. Do I know any male famous Kims? Kim Jong Un, who aren't dictators? That's yeah, tough to find. I'm not sure. Coming up, I think uh, we're onto something here. We get into uh, Josh Reynolds, Paul. You, you've got uh, some takes on on what the Titans are getting in their new wide receiver. Matt Dickerson is no longer a Tennessee Titan. I've got a strong take on Matt Dickerson that's going to surprise some people. He signed with the Raiders. I'm going to tease you with this. And are the Titans interested in Sammy Watkins? That's next on Outkick 360. Sammy Watkins scheduled to meet with the Indianapolis Colts today, free agent wide receiver. Glad you're with us. Outkick 360 rolls on. Uh, From Indianapolis, he's due to go to Baltimore. But Adam Schefter also reported 
that the Tennessee Titans were among the teams that were interested in the veteran wide receiver. Paul, what have you heard? I'd say thumb down, thumbs down. Now, it's interesting. Kansas City, Baltimore, Indianapolis, some of the better teams in the AFC. Guy hasn't played a full season since his rookie year in 2014. He missed 26 games in six seasons since. And his first four seasons, 15.9 yards per reception, a very nice, hardy number, right? Last three years since then, down to 12.5. So if you're talking Sammy Watkins, I don't know what you guys are envisioning. I hear his name. I think, well, boom, there's the speed. lightning bolt of speed that I want. Then I look at that and I think, well, 12.5 yards is very pedestrian receiver number. If I'm getting that guy, I need him to be that guy. And I think that guy is probably three years ago guy. Also hurt all the time, and I just don't see bringing in a free agent guy who's got a history of, of injury. Yeah. So I, I would think Baltimore really needs pizzazz at wide receiver. Indianapolis, if Hilton's out, Pittman's good, but they don't have a lot after <coughs> that. I think he's going to find more opportunity than he's going to find with the Titans, who've got A.J. Brown, now Josh Reynolds, who we're going to talk about, an incoming early pick. Uh, you know, it'd be nice to have that kind of depth, but I think he's going to demand more money and more opportunity than he would find here, don't you think? I tend to agree with you. That My initial impression was one-year contract, um, see see what happens, in, kick the tires before you go out and sign a Josh Reynolds. I was that, surprised, that, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Then When the Josh Reynolds signing happened and I saw this paired where the, the Titans also showed interest or were showing interest, I took that as they, they kicked the tires Before. to see what it may take, and then now he's taking some visits. I was elsewhere. surprised at how extensive the injuries were and that big drop-off. Both when I went to look up that stuff, I was like, whoa, the injuries were more than I thought, and whoa, that drop-off is bigger than I would have anticipated. So we got a tweet coming in, Outkick360, follow us there. This comes from Titans Talk Daily. Jadavion Clowney would be the perfect mortar for this new Titans front no, seven, the ability no. to plug and play on the outside rotationally, standing in five or three technique. Plug and play. I mean, that's, that's your standard now, plug and play? I, I mean, the guy made $13 million last year. He plugged, he played for eight games. Was well, he going to make $13 million this year when little. he resigned He's not making anything close to $13 million. I like but here's the number one reason that this person wants Jadavion Clowney. His name is Jadavion Clowney. Well, I will say that Titans Talk Daily went pretty in-depth as to why they want Jadavion Clowney yeah. other than just his name. I, I like Jadavion Clowney, the player. I don't like the injury history. He's going to be hurt half and the year. He goes on to say he wouldn't have to be the number one or even the number two guy, which is why he would flourish. But do you think that he – he Jadavion Clowney is not a guy who's saying – Yes, I can go be the third or fourth guy. But, Paul, yes. that's where he is now. But, Paul, yeah, but he, does he, he want to play football for a paycheck? Because he's not going to get to dictate being the number one guy. There's going to be he's a lot of players like him Number this year. two or number three money I, I anywhere he goes. He's going to shop around. He's going to be a last-minute guy. That's how he works. He's, you think he's going to be on somebody's Zooms starting April 17th? I don't, or 19th, whatever. Well, then he won't play. I mean, if, he, if, it's, if you're not a number one guy and you're not the guy you once were and you're holding out for that money to be that guy, then you're not going to play football. Dude, if I could have Ryan Kerrigan or Jadavion Clowney right now, I'd take Ryan Kerrigan. You're big on Ryan second. Kerrigan. Big. You love him. like him a lot more than Jadavion Clowney, and I think he'll come way cheaper. Paul, what do you think about this uh, Joe Rexroad piece about Westbrook Aquina? And I also saw where well, A to Z Sports retweeted it and said that Westbrook Aquina is the number two receiver for the Titans. 
Oh, I, I mean, are we assigning the number two receiver spot? Like, I don't like, uh, first off, the Rex Road piece was good, but I don't like pieces that lock in the, the, the roster right now. I mean, we're, we're miles away from early September when a first game plays. And I don't think he's the number two receiver on opening day. I, I don't like too much hope and projection. So if you're hoping that Westbrook Akina is the number one, two receiver, that's fine. If you're banking on him being the number two receiver, that's too far projection for me for a team that's failed consistently to develop guys like Westbrook Akina at a lot of other uh, positions into roles like that. I think they need to draft the receiver in the first three rounds, probably the first two rounds, and he's going to be the number two receiver. Now, if they bring that guy around as slowly as they've brought around first and second round picks pretty regularly since Vrabel's been here, then Westbrook Akina could be the number two receiver on opening day. I don't, I don't love it, but um, I, I don't understand why we have to make the declaration right now. Um, and, and that's not what I'm looking for. And yesterday, everybody was saying that Josh Reynolds was the number two wide receiver, which also, I think, is, is over, overly ambitious. Well, based on depth, he's there right now. Uh, if he's the number two receiver, they've got problems whenever camp breaks. This, this offense needs a jolt, much like they received from A.J. Brown last year. or Two years ago. Two years ago in the draft. Uh, they need to hit on a player like that again, which Robinson's been able to do. He's shown you in the later rounds he can get players that have a big impact. They like Westbrook Aquina. Uh, I like Westbrook Aquina as a guy who's active on game day because he's going to give you special team snaps. He can give you a handful of reps based on personnel packages on offense. Which Josh Reynolds isn't going to give you special teams. Do reps, you like him as the, the number two receiver? No. no. I, I don't understand how that could, could even grow be fathom to be it. an option. But also, he's a guy that needs to play in some preseason games and needs to play with Tannehill more and all of that stuff. And he needs to, to progress. I mean, he made a couple catches last year that were, were good catches. He caught a fake punt catch that was a contested catch that was a, a nice play and all of that. But I don't know that you can, can bank. Look, look at all the things they're banking on simultaneously, conceivably. Yeah. Kendall Lamb to be a right tackle. Right. Ferkser and Swaim to collectively do the job of a number one tight end. Fulton to be at least a, a, a two or a three. Uh, Which, by at, the way, at is impossible. Crookshank. The Ferkser Swaim thing, yeah. it's impossible physically. Right. Because one man, you've got to put two tight ends yeah. on the field at that point they're to equal well, one let, Johnny let's Smith. Just, Crookshank to be the though. third these, safety. These are different categories. Rashawn Evans to be better. David Long. Christian Fulton role. should be assumed into yes. that role. Right, should Not Westbrook Aquina. Should right. Christian but, Fulton uh, should be but, in the starting well, line. I agree. But if you put all of this together, it's a lot to bank on simultaneously for a team that has not where consistently this team, developed guys, especially quickly. They have to the hit on Fulton. who's the undrafted rookie free agent that turned into something in his second year? They, they have to hit on Christian Fulton in the secondary based yeah, on the moves yeah. they've made in the secondary this offseason. They need to hit on Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans, absolutely. I mean, it, and then this draft. Not, the, an undrafted wide receiver, Nick Westbrook-Akina, is allowed to progress. Take time. And, and come up within the system and, and be a nice role player. But he's a role player, and the the idea that he's the number two receiver that's coming in to give you the production that we expect, uh, I think that's a draft pick if right he's, now. If he's if 
if Nick Westbrook Aquina becomes the number two receiver, it has to be a pleasant surprise. Right. It can't be what you're penning into your depth chart, I think. And I think somebody's working there to kind of ease the blow of what they don't have by offseason hyping somebody up. We've heard this about Khalif Raymond in the past. You also can't miss at all. Who, who just on this signed draft. elsewhere today. Nick, uh, I'm sorry, Chad. Khalif Raymond with the Lions. So I love this signing. And I love Matt Dickerson. Here's the segue. I love Matt Dickerson signing with the Raiders. I love Khalif Raymond signing with the Lions. And I want them to do well there. Not for the reason that Titans fans want them to do well because they're great guys and gee willikers, it's, I, I want success. I want them to go there and do well enough to land on the 53-man roster so there's no way in hell the Tennessee Titans can have them back. I wanted Darren Bates, in hindsight, <laughs> I wanted Darren Bates to succeed in Houston so that the Titans couldn't fall back into old familiar and bring back a guy who they deemed not good enough to be on their team initially and then went back to. Matt Dickerson didn't do a damn thing here. <laughs> Nothing. And he did not improve. I mean, maybe improved marginally, but did we ever see Matt Dickerson make a play? No. I'll answer my rhetorical question. We didn't see him do anything, and they kept going back to him and back to him <laughs> and so back to him. And so while I think he's not an NFL player, the Raiders do, and I pray that the Raiders keep him. Keep him, cuddle him, hold him close to your heart he's, so that Vrabel and Robinson don't at some point say, you know what, we're thin on the defensive line. Old reliable Matt Dickerson's out there. Let's go get him and bring him back. He's an NFL player. He He's an inactive carousel player. Right. Well, get a new inactive he's carousel active player. active twice a month. Get an inactive carousel <laughs> player now who, who's got a chance at having more of an upside than Matt Dickerson. That might surprise you. Because you've seen three years of Matt Dickerson, and you know what Matt Dickerson is at this point. It's time for the next Matt Dickerson. It's time for Paul Pickerson. Bring in Paul Pickerson and give him his chance. Bring in G. Willikers. Yes, as Paul said. G. Willikers is great on the outside, from what I hear. Take all the Titan scrubs that they, didn't tender, that they didn't tender, that they didn't resign. Get them on other rosters and let them stick somewhere else so the Titans are forced to go to alternatives instead of relying on this same pile of bleep. A player that turned the Titans down a few years back was A.J. Boye. I'm not sure if Robinson's gotten over this or not, but he's available. And, Paul, you say the Titans should be taking a look at the veteran corner. Look, he's a reclamation project now, right? He's got a game left on a PED suspension that he a game or two, served right? one, one. That he served, I, love, I love that effort, though. He served most of it. In <laughs> God <Denver>. really cares. <laughs> I think it was four games. What's I Hutton's think, PED stance on this normally? You're, you're pro PEDs. He's, but he's anti-suspension. It's also a sign of a guy, though, who wants to be great. Is what I hear. Yeah. That's great. Well, look, they it's like liked him. The strong ass uh, and I think they preferred to him to Malcolm <laughs> Butler. They lost out on him. He, uh, look, the Titans need options at corner. This guy would come for a minimal one-year deal. If he busts, he busts. If you can turn him into something like you imagined when you were going to sign him three years ago when he was coming from Jacksonville, why not take a flyer? I, I mean, Johnson, Kevin Johnson's coming, and we all know Kevin Johnson's not very good. Uh, have a reclamation project with A.J. Bouye and see if, if he can't be something like he was in Jacksonville. He's not going to be the same guy he was in Jacksonville, but he can be better than he's been or the Houston. last year 
or two, yeah, or Houston. But it can be better, I think, than he's been the last year or two. Why not give it a crack? So the, what I would be curious on is, okay, do they, if you're the Titans or any NFL team, do you decide, let's make some one-year offers now ahead of the draft, or do you wait on the draft to then set the market on your needs, wants, and must-haves post-draft going into camp? Because are, are, is a player like A.J. Boye or Jarrell Casey, I'm using Casey as an example because – Not for here. I th- not for here, but I think he's, he's, in a, he's in a little group of players that have to decide if they want to play for the money that they earned in year five versus year eight or year nine of their contract. Yeah. Boye's in that same boat. Do you take a one-year deal now or do you wait on the draft? And do the Titans do the do the opposite? Do they attack veteran free agency for the second or third wave now, or wait on the draft? I tend to think they wait on on the draft next month. Yeah, well, and it's a good the way you set it up there. It's kind of a two-way street. If you're the player, do you want to wait and see, or or do you want uh, to to get signed, and only to see the Titans, you know, draft an early corner? And then a fifth rounder, and then all of a sudden, you know, conceivably, right. they want those two guys to pan out. And unless you're terrific, you know, you're fighting with Chris Jackson and Breon Borders for a spot pretty far down the depth chart. And so, you know, you, you might be right. It might be better for a guy like that to wait. We're still, though, there's some room. And a team like the Titans, particularly with all the needs that they have, I still do think they need to flesh out a couple spots you want to get to the point where the Titans have always been in the Robinson regime, certainly, and typically have been in their history where they're not absolutely desperate for something. He's done a nice the, job even going in the into first the draft two rounds. Right. Like last year, they had needs, but taking Isaiah Wilson, while that was a huge fail, taking a, an offensive tackle in the first round was something they could do, even though it didn't feel like a massive need. But they could do it because they could still get the cornerback in the second round. They could still get that change-up running back in the third round. And you never felt like, oh, my God, if they don't get this here, they're dead. Mm-hmm. And if they could do just a little bit more while corner's still going to be a priority, while uh, receiver's still going to be a priority, while it's still like a young edge rusher, while you still like a tight end. See, and now I'm getting up there. So if you could get one more of those things – if you could keep the list down to three, and if they feel like the draft is full enough at those three positions that you could address in the first three rounds, then there becomes a certain comfort level, right? Like, I'm feeling less and less pressure about an edge rusher only because I don't see immediate impact for the edge rusher. I see him as more of a rotational piece who's going to develop. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can find us. Paul's got thoughts on Josh Reynolds and some details. I talked to, uh, check it out. I've got some, some, a couple personnel men talking about Josh Reynolds who might ease you off of thinking he's automatically a number two because one says he's a clear <laughs> number three and one says he's a four who's got to get tougher and Vrabel might be the kind of guy who could get him there. I think and an, like and another one says. He's not a number two because Nick Whisper Kakina is the number that's two. Nobody's saying that. First off, you've got to supplant that undrafted guy. That, that's going to be big, first yeah. and foremost. Uh, Tennessee, the Vols, need a quarterback. They have no clue who that's going to be. Spring practice starts Thursday. 
We can discuss that a little bit about the favorite for that job. It's the Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360. From the Blackbird Academy in Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, Outkick 360. The Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Huge thanks to David Reed, the chairman of the board, for making the show happen for us each and every day. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Levi Gibson here as well today. Levi. We have a, That's a, a full, collection of strong names. Full cast. It really is. By the way, can we can we get into we talked about Kim and Stacy and Dana earlier? Lance, Jacob, and Levi. Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Levi Gibson, David Reed. Those are God's names right there. It's like God came down with his mighty hand and blessed these gentlemen with Abraham names that named, strong. Have got any Lance in the Bible? We're biblical two-thirds over here. No, I'm thinking Lance so, is not biblical. Just, I don't think so. no. <laughs> Their names that just yes, roll off the Biblical tongue. action, Old Testament action, Lansing. Yes. The Lansing of the Boyle. No one's confusing those names. You hear those names, and it's you're not confusing them when you say it or how to spell it. It's just, I like it. Very strong. You guys, we're going to take a week off when our vacation rolls around. The three of you will be sitting here, and they'll have a whole new production crew. Perfect. You'll be talking about bath salt banditry. Jakob Swanson, the <laughs> bath salt bandit. What a great nickname. Absolutely. A whole uh, week of bath hit us, salt banditry. Hit us up on social media at Outkick360. And we've got some social media interaction going on. One person is asking, why does Hutton still have a half desk? When we have a full desk, Hutton has the same desk. size. He just desk. doesn't pull it around. He just has it at a different angle. Pull it around do. for the people, Hutton. Well, if you can see here. I it's have the it same positioned. Desk. It's kind of locked in where I, the the wheels are locked in behind my chair. So are they claiming that they're seeing too much groin. <clears throat> yeah, maybe that's the problem. Uh, this is good for no, me. It's not that they're just asking <laughs> why can't we get Hutton the full desk it's that full we desk. have, and it's a full desk. He just has it positioned differently. Marcus Mariota is supposed to sign a reworked contract with Las Vegas where he could conceivably replace an injured car and then get injured himself. So, speaking of quarterback, he Tennessee had to do Vols. that or he's going to get cut. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee Vols, uh, I think it's an intriguing battle this spring going into it with no idea. I mean, I think you could throw a dart on the board right now and decide who's going to be the starting quarterback in their first game in September. Harrison Bailey, I guess you would say, is the favorite because he's the returning sophomore that played a lot last year. Hendon Hooker has more college experience than anyone else transferring from Virginia Tech. Brian Maurer's still on the roster. I don't see any way he's the starter. And then Caden Salter, the freshman Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Texas. It's funny when you talk about Josh Heupel's offense because everyone just assumes if you're running a high-octane, snap it with 30 seconds of the play clock, which, by the way, is the plan. They want to snap with 30 seconds or higher on the play clock every single time. That you need a mobile quarterback to do that. That's not the case. Central Florida and at Missouri, they did it with both mobile quarterbacks and guys who don't run it. It's all about quick decision-making. So maybe Harrison Bailey's best suited for that offense. I think the mobility factor is just an added bonus in Heupel's offense. I would say right now, guys, Hendon Hooker would be my favorite because of his experience, because he ran a more up-tempo offense at Virginia Tech. But it's tough to handicap exactly who's going to be the quarterback in Knoxville. Hooker have one or two years left. Hooker's got two years left. I don't hate that initial idea. Just initially, though, like he's as you, as, he, as you list them, though, Salter's the guy for me. 
Well, Salter needs to eventually be the guy, right? So I guess you look at it and say, are you sacrificing something this year to get him experience for the future? Well, I'm viewing And how it much as does this year matter? Josh Heupel has this year coming up, first time, the first year in Knoxville. Let's just start the clock on the freshman quarterback. Like, that, that would be my mentality. Now, he has to be as good as your other options. I'm not trying to tank the season by any means or keep my offense from being as good as it possibly can be. But aren't we just tired of cycling through all these quarterbacks year after year and wondering who the future is going to be with? Uh, I understand you've got two years left with a veteran quarterback that you hope can come in and run your system, and that Hooker may be the best option. But the, the talk for the last 16 months has been Caden Salter, not just the last three weeks. Well, and a question I'd pose to Tennessee fans is this. You, you want the best quarterback to start. You don't want to pick a favorite and say, well, we're starting this guy because he's the Texas player of the year. No. Players see through that. They know sure. who the best quarterback option is, so you, you want the best quarterback to start. So then my question would be, who do you prefer to be the starter and the best quarterback? Because if it's Caden Salter on day one, you're losing Hendon Hooker and Harrison Bailey. Mm-hmm. They're gone off the roster a year after. So then you're completely rebuilding – with those next classes. I think it's almost better for Tennessee to have a Hendon Hooker win the job and be a one- to two-year starter for Tennessee. Redshirt Caden Salter, keep him happy. Then you could have three years with Caden Salter if it worked out that way. Now, again, this is just dream scenario if everything works out perfectly. But bottom line is you got to start the best player. Well, they need to start by having one guy win the job. Right, like yeah, none of this, this back and, and forth and trying to determine who the quarterback's going to be this month. You know, the, the whole saga just does not work. They need they need a, a singular focus around running that offense. Or look, the right? the, the yeah. next the next thing And I know is, that's the goal. But well, generally they, the thing but is But there was a hesitation you, to name anyone. If you wind up with that thing where you don't want to name anyone, it's because nobody steps forward. If or you're, you're worried have, about if, transfers. Yeah, but if you could have a situation where two guys step forward and they're both really good, okay, I'll deal with that problem. I just don't want this thing where, like, the two best guys are both very mediocre. Have a problem where two guys are both playing what? really well. I, I think what <laughs> – and, and Josh Heupel hopefully doesn't run a practice like this, but the idea that you have – Oh wait, man! This guy—he sucked in the game, but man, can he can he really practice? Great practice. Yeah, you know, he just didn't practice well in the spring practice. It's but like, other than that, behind closed doors, he's been awesome. It's like Matt Dickerson. There's been, there's been too much of that, and what, the the hope is you have one guy that climbs the the ladder and takes the at least and claims the ring. Ideal scenario for Tennessee is their old Miss of 2020, that they come in, Matt Corral. Who's their Matt Corral? You pick a quarterback, you stick with them, they stay healthy, they develop. That would be a dream. You score a ton of points. You're going to give up a bunch of points. You're probably going to get blown out a couple times like Ole Miss. But you might blow out a couple teams. You're going to play someone tough you're not supposed to. You go 6-6 six and six in year one. To me, that's the ideal best-case scenario for Tennessee. Six and six. But you and make it fun. And, and it's You fun have some games where it's fun to watch. Offense. And you compete in, in one of the high-profile games of the year where you go neck – you go neck and neck with Alabama. Or Florida. Uh, no, no defense was played that game on either side. Right. But part, partly because Ole Miss was so good that night at quarterback and on offense. 
Uh, so Ole Miss can finish 500, and you still remember the matchup against the national champion where they performed really well, and you see what they're capable of doing. And in UT's case, you take it against Georgia too, right? One, one of those. Well, you know, we saw it twice last year. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin did very well, and then Sam Pittman came into Arkansas, and they immediately went from yeah. – uh, you know, the bottom of the SEC to a very competitive, res- respectable team in the conference. So it can happen even when you have some roster deficiencies. I just don't see any way with all the guys transferring out. Yeah. Henry Toto is in Knoxville. That's reported by Austin Price and VolQuest. Still no definitive word if he's showing up to practice on Thursday. He may be showing up to get his stuff out of Knoxville. No one really <laughs> knows, but he's in town. People know that. That would be the biggest early recruit for Josh Heupel if he convinced him to get out of the transfer portal and come back. Guevara's Crouch looking like he's going to be around also. That linebacking group looks a lot different with Crouch and Toto if, if they're back. But if not, there are so many deficiencies. I think the one saving grace for Tennessee this year, they had four senior defensive linemen all opt to come back for the extra year of eligibility. I think that helps them a lot. Austin Pope also coming back healthy as a tight end. They're going to be pretty solid offensive line and defensive line. That's going to help a first-year coach. Outside of that, very thin at linebacker. A lot of unknowns at wide receiver. Some talent there, but a lot of unknowns. Um, Secondary is going to be led by Elante Taylor, but eh, decent in the secondary, but a lot of question marks. Running back, totally unknown, with both Ty Chandler leaving and Eric Gray. And then quarterback, which we just discussed, which is anyone's job right now. Guys, fun show today. Always fun. Flew by. We live for fun. Much like Lane Giffen. <laughs> Up I, uh, tempo. I was fighting the show's first sneeze again. I even gave the signal and had him turn the mic off, and I can't get that sneeze. Couldn't out. hold out for the 90 seconds until we sign off. It was just going to happen. I'm sure Sneezes don't discriminate. But it's much like, you know, if somebody says, God bless you or something, uh, if you give the signal to get your mic off, yeah. you ain't sneeze. I'm That's- glad they read the signal this time. Yesterday, there was a lot of confusion about the signal you Yesterday, were I followed instructions for what I was told to do, and they were You did apples. this, and you were supposed no, to. No, no. Thumbs down means bad. I was told not to thumbs down. I was told to point down. I pointed <laughs> down, and they. That was. <laughs> this means mic off? I was told it did. This right but here. But then it no longer did. <laughs> this now right I'm told here. to go, uh, this get their attention, off? frantically wave, we'll get that. their attention, and then. I think that would be mic off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tomorrow. Still no sneezes. We're almost two weeks into this thing. No sneezes. Amazing. Tomorrow, John McLean on the show. I'll be the there. Houston Chronicle. I'll big be time. There. That's a big time gift. He'll for be us. with us at eleven fifteen. Terrific! I'm great. You'll love me. I've said no to every other show in town. <laughs> Not even in town. I've said I'm all. I'm over. Nationally. I'm out Watson. I can't talk to Sean Watson anymore. I'm not doing any shows nationally, but I will do the Outkick 360 <laughs> tomorrow for my boys. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for listening in Knoxville on Fox Sports Knoxville. Check out Outkick the Show with Clay Travis coming up at 4 o'clock Eastern right here on the Outkick Network. For Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, the great crew here. Join us tomorrow, Outkick 360, at noon Eastern right here on the Outkick Network. If you can't quite read over my right shoulder, the message is do not block the puck.